Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. Y'all good? Boy, howdy. I didn't tell him to say that about the... But I don't disagree. I'll tell you that right now. I don't disagree. Oh, man, I hope y'all are well. I have been... I've been, I've been really struggling. Can I, be, can I be honest? Is that cool? I've been really, really struggling with this message because I feel... Uh, that it's something that we all know about, but we don't talk about it. Uh, it's taboo. We don't we don't bring it up. Don't ask. It's one of them don't ask, don't tell type of things. Like, and and I and if I can be hundred percent honest with you, I fought it. I was like, I don't I don't. What else you got? What else you got, Lord? Because I don't wanna I don't wanna preach on that. And, uh, and, and it backfired because I fought it and then, you know, uh, circled back and ended up circling back to it. But by the time I did, it was, you know, it was crunch time, right? So then you were trying to, like, should have been working on this more. Uh, everything was there. And I felt in the moment that, you know, like, he was like, I told you, like, like you weren't getting away from it, so why not just just do it? So that was me not being obedient. Don't be like me. Don't be like me. I hope y'all are well, though. I really do. Y'all had a good week. Say somebody, somebody say yes. I need you to talk back to me tonight. Are y'all all right? Okay. Well, uh, raise your hand if you were here on Sunday. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here, guys, and, and uh, you know, however I felt about the message, at this point, it is what it is, so we're going to rock with it. Are y'all cool with that? Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, the title of my message tonight is uh, Cracked Foundations. Cracked Foundations. So, somebody turn to, uh, go ahead and turn with me to Romans 13 and 13. 13 and 13. Put your Bible in there if you got it. Yes. It's working. All right. Romans 13 and 13. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start. You guys can catch on up. Let us act as we should, like people living in the daytime. Have nothing to do with wild parties. And don't get drunk. Don't take part in sexual sins or evil conduct. Don't fight with each other or be jealous of anyone. Verse 14 says, instead, everybody say instead. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ as if he were your clothing. I love that. I'm going to read it again. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ as if he were your clothing. Don't think about how to satisfy sinful desires. Everybody say sinful desires. 
I'm going to give you a pre-warning. We're going to talk about sexual immorality and we're going to talk about spiritual depression. So if you have uh, a young one in the room that doesn't like to hear the S word, uh, it's coming. So be prepared. Have you ever um, looked around your house or maybe been in somebody else's house and you've noticed like, uh, you know, a crack in the ceiling or uh, raise your hand if you know what a structural crack is. So. Have you ever, you ever been and you noticed there's like a crack on the floor and, it, you know, there may be one on the ceiling and, you know. So um, what's, what's crazy is what ends up happening is the, the foundation of the property, it shifts. It has something to do with the soil and um, the concrete basically sinks. It settles. And so when it settles, of course, things shift and it starts from the bottom, but it works its way up. So we end up with a crack. On the floor, usually it's under carpet or tile. You don't really see it right away um, unless it's really bad. Um, and then it'll work its way up the walls, okay, onto the ceiling. Um, by the time it's made it to the ceiling, a lot of people don't really realize that that is what that is. They don't really realize that that is a structural crack. So by the time it's made it to the ceiling, they say, oh, that crack, I've never noticed that crack there before. So they go and they get them some, some mud from Lowe's or Home Depot, and they go and, you know, they patch it up. And over time, the problem gets worse, and the crack opens back up. So what's nuts about this is that you can have it, you can have these cracks all over the house, in every room, Right? You can feel them when you walk on them. Your tile's coming up off the floor. Uh, you can have them everywhere. But when you walk out to the street, when people pass your house and they look at your property, everything looks normal. Everything. Everything. The house looks in great shape from the outside. They pull up and say things. You got a nice house. You got a nice house. And you're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll go inside and take a look. You know, and they see everything, but it's something that is behind closed doors and it's, it's hidden away, right? It's definitely not something that comes up in conversation where, you know, hi, my name's Tommy, and hey, I got structural cracks in my house. <laughs> we don't bring it up. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to really try to behave tonight, y'all, I promise, I promise. Um... This uh, sexual immorality and the spiritual depression, they go, they go hand in hand, okay? Um, we, um, we, like I said before, we don't talk about it, but we do know that these are real, these are real issues. And we do know, we can be honest, you can lie to yourself if you want to, but I'm going to go ahead and call it like it is. We, we, we do know that these are things that we all deal with, men and women young kids, you know, and the sad part is it's getting younger and younger when this stuff starts to take effect, but we have to be diligent and make sure that our kids are built up, prayed up, and ready to go. We build them up to be leaders, right, instead of followers, and that's the goal. That's what we preach to them, right? So um, David, is David's my guy. I like David. I, I, I read about David quite a bit in the Bible, and, and I like him, and I don't know how I missed this story, but a few months back I came across this story, this line. I'm going to read it here in a second. Um, and so it's in Second Samuel, if you want to go ahead and start turning there. 
uh, you can follow along. I want you to follow along because I want you to go back and read this story again and hear it for yourself because I'm going to be honest. When I read it and I heard there's a certain part, when I heard it, I laughed out loud um, because I thought this was a slap in the face and I could only imagine. I mean, you imagine what Bible characters look like. Is that just me? So I imagine David to be a good-looking guy, you know, similar to me, beard, you know what I'm saying, uh, muscular, you know, uh, Just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, uh, but but really, I, I do. I imagine what he looked like, right? And so, at one point in the story, this prophet comes to him and he gives him a word, and I can only imagine what his face like dropped to. And at that point, I laughed out loud. We're gonna jump straight into it because it's kind of a lot. Are y'all ready? Say I'm ready. ready. All right, here we go. Second Samuel, uh, chapter eleven. It was spring. It was the time when Kings went off to war. So David went to Joab. Not sure if I'm saying that right, but we're going to roll with it. Um, out with the king's special troops and the whole army of Israel. They destroyed the uh, Ammonites. They marched to the city of Rabbah. Rabbah, I've been struggling with these words all day long, y'all. So I just figured you'll get it because I know I'm not the only one that does, right? So they went to the city of Rabbah. They surrounded it and got ready to attack it. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up out of his bed. He walked uh, around the room of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman taking a bath. She was very beautiful. David sent a messenger to find her, uh, to find out to see who she was. The messenger returned and said, that is Bathsheba. She's the daughter of, of Eliam, Eliam. Eliam. I'm going to go with Eliam. She's the wife of Uriah. He's a Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. Everybody hear that? He sent messengers to get somebody else's wife. Raise your hand and say, not in my house. Not in my house. Um, so he sent uh, messengers back to get her. She came uh, to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. All, the, all of this took place after she had already made herself clean. Her, she was in a cleansing period for her monthly period. Uh, later, Bathsheba found out that she was pregnant. She sent a message to David and said, I'm pregnant. Okay? He knocked her up, y'all. We're all caught up. So, <laughs> verse 6 says, So David sent a message to Joab. David said, Send me Uriah, the Hittite. Uh, Joab sent for David. Uriah came to David David asked, David asked him how uh, Joab and the soldiers were doing. Uh, he also asked him uh, how the war was going. David said to Uriah, uh, go home and enjoy some time with your wife. So uh, let me stop right there. there was, the whole plan was is that, so Uriah would go home. He had been away for a minute, so he would go home. He would sleep with his wife. She would say, hey, I'm pregnant, and David would be off the hook. Okay. I feel like that's going to save us a little bit of reading, but I'm going to read it anyway. So Uriah, he told him to go home, enjoy some time with his wife. So uh, Uriah left the palace. Then the king sent him a gift, but Uriah didn't go home. Instead, he slept at the entrance of the palace. He stayed there uh, with the master's servants. This is out in the entrance, right? So David was told Uriah didn't go home. 
So he sent for Uriah. David said to him, uh, you have been away for a long time. Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and the army of Israel of Judah are out in their tents. My commander Joab and your special troops are camped in open country. How could I go uh, to my house, eat and drink? How could I go there and sleep with my wife? I could never do a thing like that. And just and that's just as sure as you are alive. So basically he had some strong loyalty to the guys, right? And he wasn't going to leave them out there and go home and enjoy himself. Um, so he stayed with them. Again, this is uh, um, against David's plan, right? Then David said to him, stay here one more day. Tomorrow I'll send you back to battle. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem uh, that day and the next. David invited uh, Uriah to eat and drink with him. David got him drunk. He got drunk, okay? But Uriah still didn't go home. In the evening, he went back out and he slept on a mat in the same spot. He, he stayed there amongst the master's servants. So let's stop right there for a second. So um, David had a problem on his hands that he was trying to fix, but uh, I should not fix. He, he was trying to cover up, but it didn't, it wasn't going to plan, right? Two times he tried to send this man home um, so that he could sleep with his wife, and the plan didn't work out. So now he's shaking in his war boots. Uh, the bigger problem was is that David not only was married himself, but he knew that this woman was married, right? So he was already committing adultery. Now keep in mind, this is, this is King David. Um, so his, if you think back, we all know the story. Uh, David started out, worked his way up, and started from the bottom. Now we're here. He came on up, okay? And he made it um, to this king. He had everything that he wanted. Uh, he had everything that he wanted. And still, this sexual immorality, this problem that he had, it still took hold of him. And he still gave in. And now he's trying to backtrack and figure out how he can cover this thing up. So, um, point of advice right here. David should have protected his, everybody say protect your purity. Protect my purity. That's a, that's a problem that doesn't happen. Um, that's something that, that, that we have to do every day, right? Uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but I, I feel like it needs to be said. There, is a, there are men and there are women that have problems with uh, uh, pornography addictions, uh, sex addictions, um, sleep around there's there's a whole lot of uh, business going on behind closed doors and it's busy business you know what I'm saying so they they could prevent this entire thing if they would have number one if they had protect protected their purity right a lot of them are single in this time and so the excuse is is that well you know when I get married um, I'll be able to have all the sex I want, and, and I won't need to, to get on the computer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I won't need to, uh, you know, go out with this woman and go to this club and go pick up these people. I won't need to do that because I, I'll have a wife at home. But the truth is, is if you have a pornography addiction when you get married, 
you're going to have a pornography addiction after. And if you're watching pornography while you're married, well, you can go ahead and add adultery to that as well. These aren't things that just go away. Well, I'm married now, so you know what? I'm just going to close the computer. It just, it, I'm sorry. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. I wanted to throw that out there before we move it on. Temptation is always, always going to creep up. Okay? But the further you are in your walk with Christ, when temptation creeps up, so will conviction. And when conviction creeps up, listen to it. This is our warning, right? We can feel it coming. It's, uh, I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, this is easy. Like, all you got to do is, it's not, it's not easy, but it is possible. And if you're disciplined and you remember, you go back to basic gospel principles, okay? You go back to the uh, promises that you made when you took your vows and remember those things and remember who it is that is waiting at home for you. And these things, bec they become a little bit easier over time, right? Secondly, let me just back up. Anybody that will walk up to you and say something like, uh, you know, like, I don't care that you're married, slap that person right in the face. I'll give you just straight permission. That is so disrespectful, it's not even real. Slap them right in the face. That's from, give them the spirit of slap. That's right. So, the next morning, we'll move on. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab. He sent it along with Uriah. And, uh, in it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front. Everybody say out in front. That's where the fighting is the heaviest. So they did. They sent him out in front. After he got up there, they pulled back, and Uriah was killed. Now remember, this instruction came from David, right? So the instruction came from David. They did it. They followed it. Everything, Uriah's dead. Uriah's wife had heard that her husband was dead. She mourned over him. Verse 27 says, When her time of sadness was over, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife, and she had a son by him. But the Lord wasn't pleased with David. So, um, that's a pretty messed up plan, right? Have another man killed over a woman so that you can have the woman, you can steal the woman. So, this is where I laugh. And it's not funny, but I laugh just because I thought of his face. So 2 Samuel, I'm skipping ahead here. Uh, 2, 2 Samuel, verse 12 says, The Lord sent the prophet Nathan. Everybody say Nathan. Nathan. He sent Nathan to David. When Nathan came to him, he said, he said, Two men lived in the same town. One was rich, the other was poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but all the poor man had was a little female lamb. He had bought it. He raised it. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food. It drank from his cup. It even slept in his arms. It was just like a daughter to him. One day the traveler, traveler came to the rich man. The rich man wanted to prepare a meal for him, but he didn't want to kill one of his own sheep or cattle. Instead, he took the little female lamb that belonged to the poor, 
the poor man. Uh, then the rich man cooked it for the traveler who had came to him. Okay? Remember, this is Nathan talking to David. David was angry at this point. He was mad. He was very angry, angry with the rich man. He said to Nathan, the man who did this must die. And that's just as sure as the Lord is alive. The man must pay back four times as much as the lamb was worth. How could he, how could he do such a thing? And he wasn't even sorry he had done it. Verse 7 says, Then Nathan turned to David and said, You are the man. And I, I, I laughed out loud. I thought, like, David's face had to have just fell on the floor. Um, he says, You are the man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king over Israel. I saved you from Saul. I gave you everything that belonged to your master Saul. I even put his wives into your arms. I made you king over all of the people of Israel and Judah. And if all of that had not been enough for you, I would have given you more. Verse 9 says, Why did you turn your back on what I told you to do? You did what is evil in my sight. You made sure Uriah the Hittite would be killed in battle. You took his wife to be your own. You let the men of Ammon kill, kill him with their swords. Verse 10 says, So time after time, members of your own royal house will be killed with swords. That's because you turned your back on me. You took your wife, you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Verse 11 says, The Lord also says, I'm going to bring trouble on you. It will, it will come from your own family. I will take your wives. Your own eyes will see it. I will, give your wives, I will give your wives to a man who is close to you. He will sleep with them in the middle of the day. You committed your sins in secret. Everybody say secret. But I will make sure the man commits his sins in the middle of the day. Everyone in Israel will see it. So God was, God was pretty heated. He was mad. David's problem here was, um, you know, his lust for women. Uh, it carried him uh, into a, a new light. It, it took him to places that he didn't see himself going, right? This was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he had already done some incredible things, and still there's, uh, there's power in this. Y'all are quiet. Like y'all ain't never dealt with this before. There is power in this. And so it will grab, it can grab even the strongest, even the strongest of us. We have to be diligent and protect our purity. I can't push that enough. We have to protect our purity. God goes on to punish him, right? And he tells him, uh, well, basically, they'd already, they'd already had the baby, okay? Um, and so he puts a sickness on the baby. The whole time that, he, that the baby's sick, the whole time that the baby's sick, David's whining and crying and, and, and doing all this stuff, and he's fasting and trying to fix it, right? But the damage is done. He did repent, and 
he was forgiven, but the consequences were still there. And so after seven days, the baby died. What's, what's, what's crazy is all of his servants were, were, they were weirded out because he was, he, you know, like I said, he was doing all this whining and crying and, and trying to get, it, to get it fixed. But when the baby died, he got up, he ate. The Bible says that he got up, he ate, uh, he, changed, he washed himself. He anointed himself, changed his clothes, and then he went to the house of the Lord and he worshiped. There is comfort in even the roughest of times. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times we, we get tied up into everything that's going bad. And we end up sinking into this place that's really hard to dig ourselves out of. And I say it that way on purpose because we try to dig ourselves out of this hole. Out of this hole. There's a, there's a point where, um, there's a point where the sins that we, our secret sins, I'm going to call them. There's a point where our secret sins are going to end up coming to light. And. Sometimes when I, uh, that can be in front of the people that you love. Um, sometimes you, you'll pass on and you'll meet your maker and it'll come to light then. But at some point or another, our sins, our secret sins, the things that we are not telling anybody about are going to come to light. That's why I said that these two things end up going hand to hand because what ends up happening whenever you have, uh, let's, just, let's just say you got caught and you, you have this sexual immorality and, and people find out about it. The first thing that happens is your trust or their trust for you, vice versa, it goes out the window. You're not credible no more. They can't, um, in their minds, they can't rely on you, right? Um, it's hard for people to trust you you burn a lot of bridges when stuff like that happens. Um, there's a lot of people that are, there's a lot of people that are in the room. This is where it's getting tough for me. There's a lot of people in the room that are doing, and I'm going to say not just in the room, but in the church, claim to be part of the church. Um, there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of these things. Um, we live one way on Friday and Saturday night, a whole nother on Sunday. I was talking to my daughter yesterday. She got in trouble at school. I'm going to tell you she got in trouble so that maybe she'll get embarrassed and not do it no more. <laughs> but it wasn't major, but she did get in trouble at school. And when I was on the phone with her, um, she, her, her tone and everything was different. You know, there was like this like slang kind of talk thing going on. And I told her on the phone, I was like, you, you sound ignorant. Like, why, why are you talking like that? And uh, then when she got home, I told her, I said, I, I, I don't understand why you can't just be you. Um, and so what I'm wondering is, is your, your friends at school, is that the real you? Or when you come back here to youth group, is that the real you? And so... Which version 
am I getting? Now, keep in mind, I know my daughter, right? I, I know what she, I know which version it is that, that is the true version. What I can't figure out is why we keep pushing into the, the other one um, that is there for people pleasing. And um, I realize that's a thing you know, for people. But at the same time, if we're going to stand up here and sit out there and we're going to talk to our young people, our youth students, and we're going to tell them, hey, you need to, we're trying to raise up leaders here. We're building up leaders. If we're going to do that, then we need to do that. We cannot, we cannot live this life where we are uh, we're, we're one foot in, one foot out, right? Hebrews said, um, said this, it's 13.4, I'm not sure if I put it up or not, but all of you should honor your marriage. You should keep the marriage bed pure. Everybody say pure. God will judge the person who commits, who commits adultery. He will judge everyone who commits sexual sins. We get settled into these habits and it becomes normal, okay? Uh, it becomes normal and, of course, the conviction stays there and it gets stronger and stronger. But the problem with it is, is that we start to believe because we know about these things, right? Um, so we, we show up to church, we come in, uh, worship starts, we lift our hands, and thoughts start to pop up in our head. And I can only say this because I've lived this. Okay, so it's, uh, I, and I can't, I, I can't believe that I would be the only one. I, I can't. So, you know, we get up, we sit, um, we feel like everybody knows, number one. We, we feel like everybody knows. Um, we begin to think that we don't deserve or we're not, uh, we're not um, worthy enough to serve or to lead because of this, Right? So this is, this is already bogging us down. We feel like hypocrites when we lift our hands in worship. And because of this, before long, what ends up happening is this spiritual depression sets in. And let me tell you, y'all, when it did, digs its claws in, it, it's in there. But it is possible to come, come out from. Let me give you some clues, just in case you're... Uh, wondering what this might look like. Um, if this is you, I'm not saying nothing, okay? I'm just saying, like, maybe you're a homebody. I don't know. We step back, though, and we settle into our new way. So where we used to be up, energetic, and uh, in with people, shaking hands, and, hey, how can I help you? Can I serve uh, anywhere? You know, let me be a part. We, we step back. We, we step back. And these are all little small steps, but we step back. And we sit down, we don't really associate, we don't go to the functions anymore, we don't really ask to serve, because again, we don't feel like that we should. We live in fear that people will find out. That is a real fear. And what will happen when they find out, especially if you're in a place of leadership, you live in this place of, man, they're going to find out eventually, and when they do, it's going to be bad. Um, our thought process processes completely change. And lastly, we run from situations. 
I spoke a little bit about this on Sunday, but it's a little bit easier to get offended when you're looking for a reason to get offended. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can get offended and find a reason to get out and away from the situation that they might find out about. Let me just stir the pot a little bit and make somebody mad so I can cause a scene and, 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 be, and be gone. After the baby died, David, David was going through it. I mean, they, they, they both, I mean, he was going through it, you know, before the baby died, you know, once they figured out the baby was sick. Like I said, he had to repent, but the baby still died. Um, do you ever wonder, though, do you ever wonder, you remember back in, back in the Old Testament when people did things bad like this, um, it, the punishment, when you read it, I mean, it was pretty quick. You know, God would send somebody over and he'd come and talk to you. And then before you know it, like your whole house was cursed. You know, maybe not cursed, but you were under punishment pretty fast. And so, but I got to wondering, do you ever think that maybe that the backtracking that keeps happening in your life, the, you know, you take five steps forward and three steps back and it just never seems to go your way. Do you ever think that that has something to do with the fact that you're not living the way that you should? Not that it. Not, I'm not saying, hear me, I'm not saying that like God's up here like, oh, you messed up, I got you, like you're not getting that car. You know, there's, there's not as a punishment, but there is tests, right, that we are given throughout life, and we can either pass these things or fail them. So what I'm getting at is do you think that maybe, just maybe, the problems that keep happening, that keep arising, the, the, the you can't get ahead, you're stuck, Maybe it's because a failed test. Maybe it's because it's self-inflicted. And when I say self-inflicted, I mean these are things that you're not. This is like tithing, y'all. So you know, you if you can't trust God with your money, you, how are you gonna? How's He gonna trust you with more? Right. So if we can't trust God with our situations and the faults that we have. And the things that we struggle with, number one, how is he going to fix it? And then number two, how are your blessings going to grow? You know what I'm saying? So when we have filtered prayers, we pray and we confess all of these things, but we leave out those things that we don't talk about. I mean, you know that there's things in your, um, there's things in your life. I know, at least for myself, there's things that I've done in my life that I'm afraid to say even in my prayer time. And again, I can't be the only one in here that has that. I just refuse to believe it. We have got to stop with the filtering our prayers. If we expect God to fix all of it, then we need to hand over all of it. What I see, um, I pointed out, you know, my, my daughter's situation, but I see the same thing in the, in the church. I see, you know, social media is a, it's, it's a beast. And uh, it's a double-edged sword. And so what I notice a lot is um, I notice 
people, and I'm not saying I'm stalking y'all's profiles, but what I do notice is that uh, I notice that people live, you know, one way Saturday, different way on Sunday. What I'm wondering is what version do we get when you show up? Are we getting the fake version? Because I don't want the fake version. Um, God don't work, want the fake version. And so I don't think God's interested in fixing the fake version. Um, what it, which version, everybody say, which version, which version are we getting? We talk a lot, a lot about, you know, one foot in, one foot out. And, and, I, and I think that it's something that we, I think it's just something that we, that we talk about, but we don't live. I'm all in. I got both feet in. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm ready for whatever you got for me, Lord. I'm, I'm ready. But the truth is, we're not. Not even close. I've got so many questions on things that have happened throughout my life and, and tragic things that, that have happened. And, took a long time to heal from a lot of those things but now now that I have I look back and I think to myself there's no way I would have been ready I lost a child in 2008 there's no way that I would have been ready to raise that kid I would have been doing him a disservice had God not did what he did there's no way I would have been able to say that five years ago that still hurts to say now, to be honest, because as much as I, I want him here, but the way that everything played out in those last, in the last 10 years, 12 years, 13 years, wouldn't have happened the way that it did if I wouldn't have gone through that mess. But I had to, I have to look back. My point is I have to look back and I have to realize that maybe it was me that wasn't, that wasn't prepared. I can tell you at that time in my life, I spent a whole lot of time in bars. A whole lot of time in bars. My wife and I both did. We didn't spend any time in church. We weren't financially stable. We weren't spiritually stable. We weren't ready. And I'm not sitting up here saying God took my child because, you know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't living right and it's a punishment. It's not... I don't have those answers. But looking back, it's a possibility. And if it hadn't happened the way that it happened, you know, if I wouldn't, if I would have had that child in 2008, I wouldn't have had my daughter in 2010, who's on fire for the Lord. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't have had my, my six-year-old. Nothing would be the same. I wouldn't be here probably. We would have just continued on with life. I think that those situations, God, God plants these seeds while you're down in the dirt digging, searching for whatever it is, the whatever relief it is that we're that we're after. And he's coming behind you and dropping these seeds behind you. Saying, just wait. Give it some time. 
this process is hard and these this uh, this funk that we get into when we when we get wrapped up in, in in all of this crazy secret sins you know and and then we get to where we don't want to participate and we're stuck in this rut there's a way out and I'm not going to say it's a quick process I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you and tell you you know what if if you just admit it you'll be free from it tomorrow you're going to think about it tomorrow but I promise you after tonight if you're obedient it'll be a little bit easier there's four things I want you to write this down I'm going to go through them quick number one is change your circle change your circle I heard a preacher say eagles fly with eagles not turkeys it stuck with me we have to turn our club friends into church friends. I'm not saying leave them behind unless they're holding you back. I'm saying try to pull them along. God will knock off the ones that aren't coming. He's got a weird way of doing that. Second one is pray relentlessly. prayers, answers to just about anything. Everything. Pray relentlessly. Pray alone. Ask for prayer. Hold hands and agree with somebody in prayer. You don't have to tell them you know what that sin is, what, what it is that you're dealing with. Okay, You can just tell them, look, this is an unspoken need, but I need you to agree with me. Would you stand and agree with me? The third one is forgive yourself. It's hard. It's very hard to move on when you're in this constant state of anger and bitterness within yourself. There's things that we're afraid to let go of because we're afraid what'll, what it will uncover when it's moved out of your way. We're afraid of the feelings that are going to come up whenever whenever this happens but i promise you the first step to dropping a problem a habit is forgiving yourself for being able to for for allowing yourself to continue on with it for so long if you can't accept it forgive yourself and accept it you can't hand it over. It's just as simple as that. I want you to stand up for this fourth one. Stand with me. The fourth one is be full of the Holy Spirit. I know that's something that we talk a lot about and I pray that you guys are. But if you're not, these type of issues are going to be very hard to deal with. Romans 8 and 5 says, So don't live under the control of sin. If you do, you will think about what sin wants. Live under the control of the Holy Spirit. If you do, you will think about what the Spirit wants. 
The thoughts of a person ruled by sin bring death, but the mind ruled by the Spirit brings life and peace. The mind ruled by the power of sin is at war with God. It does not obey God's law. It can't. Those who are under the power of sin can't please God. They don't really get any clearer than that, y'all. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world, the world cannot accept him because it, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, everybody say that's me. But you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. We got, uh, we got broken homes in this room. There's, there's homes and families in this room that from the outside look like they got it all put together. Everything is lining up into place. And, and to be honest, we were great at walking in the doors and shaking hands with folks and saying, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. But are you? If I open the door to your home, how many cracks am I going to find? How well have you been hiding it? I'm asking tonight. Well, first off, let me go ahead and just throw this out there. The prayer team is coming. And I, I, I messaged earlier and I asked uh, the prayer team to be ready. I ask them to be ready because this subject and the things that I'm asking you to admit to yourselves and leave here at this altar are heavy and they're hurtful. And I'm not going to lie, it's going to take some serious strength and it's going to take you setting your pride uh, aside and to, to get out of your chair and to come agree with somebody. But what I'm asking is that for tonight, I want you to take the mask off. I want you to put down that facade that's been up for the public for years. I want you to admit to yourself what it is that you are struggling with. I want you to be able to be strong enough to call out those things that we don't call out. To be able to truly take a step forward, to be able to truly accept all that Christ has to offer, we've, we've got to give it up, y'all. If you're ready to, if you're ready to um, relinquish control, if, if you are ready 
you're tired of faking it and you are ready, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to pray. Give you a second to think about it. Pray about it. But I want you to come and agree with somebody. If you have never... If you've never received the Holy Spirit, I want you to come. This is a needed, a needed helper to make it through, to navigate the hoods that we got to navigate through. I can't say it enough. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, Father God, for the transformation that is happening in these hearts tonight, Lord God. We want to thank you for dwelling in this place with us, Father. Father, my prayer for tonight is that everybody in this room will be able to release, I said release, the things that they've been holding on to for years, some of them since childhood. That weight is too heavy to carry. We pray for a movement like no other, Lord. Father, we pray for pride to be set aside. Father, we pray for guidance and wisdom in the push to get out of that chair. We thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.